brand new sermon series from Pastor Paul titled, I Am. In this collection of sermons from the Gospel of John, we will be studying the I Ams of Jesus that reveal His character and sufficiency for the human soul. These declarations of Jesus unquestionably prove that He and the Father are one, and this can give us hope, purpose, and a strong desire to know Him more. So here's Pastor Paul, and we hope the message inspires and encourages you today. We're going to be in John chapter 10 today. Now, the, the seven I am statements of Jesus Christ that we've been looking at um, are uniquely recorded in the book of John. It's a, a unique thing that he focused on, that he put his time into. And really what the, the purpose of it was is to help us and to identify for us the deity of Jesus Christ. And of course, the fact that belief in him led to eternal life. And so that's really what John's focus was, was the fact that Jesus is the answer to eternal life. And so we've seen it illustrated in a couple of ways. We'll do a quick review here. First of all, we saw that Jesus said, I am the bread of life in John chapter number six. And that's probably one of the more, more famous ones. I am the bread of life. And what was he talking about? He was talking about the idea that Jesus is the satisfaction for your soul. He is, he is what satisfies us. Our world is looking for satisfaction in all kinds of things. We're gonna talk about that a little bit today again, but Jesus is the true satisfaction. He is the one that we can turn to. And then last week we looked at how Jesus is the light of the world. I mean, he's the answer to the darkness of this world. He is the one, uh, he's the one who can turn on the lights, you know, and help us to see the truth, help us to understand the truth. And so uh, those are the first two that we've looked at. Today, we're gonna move into the third I am statement and it's gonna be in John chapter 10. Now, John chapter 10 is interesting because it contains the next two of those I am statements. And so we'll look at one today. We'll look at one uh, next week, but it's basically one long uh, chapter that kind of has some connecting thoughts through it where Jesus two times makes this statement, I am. And, and he uses an extended figure of speech or an illustration. And the illustration he uses has to do with shepherds and sheep, shepherds uh, and sheep. Now throughout the scripture, if you've ever studied your Bible, you know that there is a common theme, sheep and shepherds. We see that all throughout the scripture. Jesus referenced it, of course, uh, quite a bit, uh, but Jesus uses this illustration to uh, make these statements, which we're going to learn can give us confidence in his provision, in his protection, and the fact that God is our guiding savior. And he gives this illustration about sheep and shepherds. Now to the people that were there, it would have been familiar to them. I don't know if I said to you guys, hey, uh, you know, how many of you have a lot of experience as a shepherd or, or on, on a farm? Maybe one or two of you say, I went to a farm once, or, you know, I might have seen some sheep as I was driving along. Uh, it doesn't really connect into us too much, but to those people uh, that were there, it's an agrarian society, farming, uh, shepherds, all of this kind of stuff, they would have really understood it. And that's why the Bible is so rich sometimes in imagery. Jesus used those uh, images, these illustrations to help the people understand. Now for us in 21st century East Van, we sometimes have a hard time uh, connecting into those things. And, and so it, it, sometimes it's a little bit of a struggle. I feel like we're almost at a disadvantage sometimes because we don't fully grasp and fully understand the imagery. So I'm going to try to make that clear for us today, help us to understand it so we can understand what the people that were sitting there listening to Jesus would have understood in that moment. It's kind of like, you know, for us, if, if I say, if I just mention Stanley Park, if I just say, hey, church, Stanley Park, 
immediately that gives us some imagery, right? We think about, you know, the seawall. We think about uh, people skateboarding too fast. We think about uh, totem poles. We think about the cricket pitch. You're like, who plays cricket? You know, you think about now all, of these, all of these unique things. If I say to you guys, if I just say, hey, church, the peony, right? <laughs> you know, that's right where we're at. And, and you guys immediately brings up imagery, right? Maybe a little bit of manure smell. Oh, sheep. I saw sheep there, right? At the PE. Or you think about mini donuts, right? We're all about the mini donuts. I remember when China used to work at, uh, at the PE, China's over there. And remember, used to bring me the mini donuts sometimes. She'd come by. And that was so great. Um, and uh, you think about Ferris wheels, uh, dog shows, of course. You got to think about the dog show. And so for us, if I just say some things, it brings all this imagery to us. So this is what happened with Jesus. Jesus says, in a moment, we're going to see what he talks about. And it's immediately going to have a connecting thought, a connecting idea to the people who are there to experience it. We are naturally disadvantaged. Um, our, our knowledge of sheep and shepherds is pretty much right now memes, right? Uh, or funny videos of sheep getting stuck. And, uh, but to the society there, it would have really had an impact to them. So let's begin in John chapter 10 and verse number one. Jesus says, verily, verily, I say unto you. Now, whenever you see the word verily, verily, we'll see it twice, uh, well, obviously twice here, but twice later on in the passage, he's making a statement saying, this is an important thing. He says, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he that entereth him by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Verse number three, to him, that the, por uh, to him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice and he calleth his own sheep by name and he leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him for they know not the voice of strangers. Now Jesus opens up his, uh, his story here with this illustration um, that everyone there would have understood. And he begins by talking about a sheepfold. Now sheepfolds in Jesus' day are, are different than how we would see it today. A sheepfold in, in the Lord's day, and if you've got the slides, you actually pull them up and look at them there. Or if you're online, you've probably seen it right now. Um, I've got a little bit of a, a picture of it there, but it was an enclosure that was made of rocks. They, they weren't very tall, maybe, uh, maybe four feet high, maybe at the tallest, but it would be stones that we placed together and it, they'd make a pen or sometimes they would pen part of a cave. So they'd be a, into a cave and they kind of make an entrance, but everything would narrow down into just a small section where basically one sheep could fit through at a time. And, and, and they would do that and they would, they would maybe put thorny bushes or vines over top of it. But typically there was just this one opening then. And then what would happen is that often, so let's say you had a small village that you lived in and there were several different shepherds. You would have a communal uh, sheepfold. It's basically it'd be communal. So at the end of the day, everyone would bring their sheep in. They'd put them all in there. And then some lucky guy would get the night shift. And literally what he would do is he would sleep in that opening. He would sit there and he would sleep all night long. Now it was for a purpose. The purpose was to protect the sheep. We saw that Jesus even talked about that there's thieves and there's robbers and some that come in here. But what was so unique about it is that the, the, the one who was at the door, he was the doorkeeper, whatever you want to call him, he was there. But in the morning, the shepherds would come for their flocks and then the shepherd would uh, basically, all they had to do was call their flock. Every shepherd had kind of a unique call and the sheep would recognize that specific shepherd's voice and they would get up and they would leave the sheepfold and then they would head out into the hills for the day. It's kind of really cool. You know, like we don't think about sheep being uh, very, very smart. <laughs> that is definitely one thing we know. They're not the smartest uh, animals out there. However, they have this unique ability to know the voice of their shepherd. And so the guy who would be sleeping there all night, protecting the flock, making sure that nobody was going to steal them, uh, the, the shepherd would come and uh, they'd call their sheep and, and off they would go. 
I read this really, really interesting story about sheep this week uh, from World War I. So this is kind of an interesting story, just to illustrate this. In World War I, uh, there was a Turkish army, of course, in Israel at the time, uh, at, in World War I. And, and the story is told that there was one evening where the, um, uh, where the, uh, the, the soldiers kind of got a little bit rowdy or hungry. We're not really sure what, what caused this, but they basically went and they took a bunch of sheep by force from some Israeli shepherds and they took them and I don't know if they were going to slaughter them or whatever, but they took these sheep. Of course, the shepherds didn't have any weapons or anything and they took these sheep. Well, the story goes that later on that night, uh, the shepherds realized that they had something that the army didn't have. These guys had just these, these sheep kind of penned up a little bit in a spot. And so the shepherds from a distance simply called their sheep. And, and the story is that the, that the uh, soldiers couldn't stop the sheep then at that point. As soon as they heard the call from their shepherd, they took off and they actually ran to where the shepherd was and they were able to escape and, and get away with their sheep because they knew the voice of their shepherd. They just knew that call and, uh, and they came to them. Uh, like I mentioned, sheep are not known for their intelligence. Maybe you guys have seen that, uh, that recent viral video about that sheep stuck in a trench. Have you seen that? You got to look it up. Don't look it up now. Uh, the sheep is stuck in a trench and this guy pulls the sheep out and it, as he pulls it out of the trench, it jumps and then it just jumps right back into it, you know? And it's kind of an illustration of how sheep are and it gets stuck again. Um, but the one thing, like I mentioned, is that they know the voice of the shepherd. So what is Jesus trying to say here? What is he trying to get across to us? Well, you're not the first person to wonder this. Look at verse number six. And it says, this parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not the things which he spake unto them. So just so you know, you're not alone in this, okay? You're not alone in this. Those that were there didn't know what he was trying to say as well. Now we know a parable is an earthly story with the intention of teaching a spiritual truth. So we know that Jesus is trying to teach them spiritual things. By the way, he always was. You never see in here, you know, Jesus sat them down and taught them how to, uh, you know, build a wall. It was all spiritually uh, minded here, but those that were listening did not get it. It was beyond them. I think if if you connect the dots from John chapter nine that we covered last week, into this week, we understand that in their legalistic, really religious focused mindset, they often missed the spiritual things that Jesus was trying to teach them. They could not grasp this truth. In fact, and you guys know this, sometimes his own disciples didn't understand what he was trying to say. His own disciples struggled to know what it was that he was saying. So Jesus, as he did on several occasions, tells a parable, they all say, what are you talking about? And now he illustrates it for them in verse seven. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, now this is what he says, I am the door of the sheep. I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. All right, so point number one today, I got three points for you from this passage here. First of all, we know the door is Jesus. You can write it down, very simple, okay? The door that he's talking about here is Jesus. He talked about this sheepfold. He talked about this access. He talked about this gate. He says, I am the one. Look at what he says there. I am the door of the sheep. He makes it very clear. Again, he says, verily, verily. That means this is critically important. You say, how is this important that Jesus is the door to the sheep? How is this important at all? But he says, no, this is an important thing. You need to understand I am the door. So what does he mean by that? Well, what Jesus means by that is that he is the living way, okay? He is the access. He is the entrance into the sheepfold, which to you say, we say, well, what does that mean now, all right? Okay, he's the door, all right, he's the entrance. I understand that. Well, what does it mean that uh, he is the entrance to the sheepfold? Well, it means that he is the, the entrance way uh, to protection. He is the access point 
uh, to, uh, uh, to this sheepfold, this area of provision and of protection. And, and the thing that we need to understand is that Jesus is trying to get across to us that he is the only access to not only salvation, as we're going to see in a moment, but he is the access to protection. When you are uh, through the door, not only are you saved, but you are safe. And so if there's somebody that wants to enter into the sheepfold, they must go through the door of Christ. There is no entrance outside of him. Now, in a few weeks, we're going to cover Jesus saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. That is a great illustrative passage. But we also know 1 Timothy 2, 5, which says there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Ephesians 2, 18 uh, tells us, for through him, we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. That's the idea that Jesus is the way. He is the access. He is the door. He is the, the one who can give access uh, or the one that we go through in order to attain uh, eternal life. That's why Jesus says here, I am. Remember, that was a distinctive claim of deity. So Jesus says, I am God. I am the access point. I am the door. I am the one. And then he gives it some further uh, emphasis there in verse number eight, where he says, all that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. Now, this is interesting. Uh, he, what he's saying here is that He's not just talking, he's not talking about Old Testament believers and saints. So he's not talking about like Abraham, he was a thief and a robber. He's not saying Moses was a thief and a robber. He's talking about those that either pretended to be Christ, which there were actually several. There were several people who claimed to be the Messiah. And he says, no, they're a thief, they're a robber. And in this context as well, the immediate context, we would understand it to be the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious leaders of the day who were the ones themselves who cared nothing about the spiritual welfare of the people. They only cared about taking from the people. All they cared about was uh, their own petty rules and their reputation, and they want to be treated in a certain way. And in fact, it was those same people that remember so cruelly cast out the blind man that we talked about last week. And that's all they care, cared about. These religious leaders, these that were supposed to be the access point to God, the ones who were supposed to point people to the right place uh, to, to understand the safety and the salvation of Jesus Christ. But yet it was all about themselves. They, they wanted to be, uh, uh, to be the door. Uh, they liked how they were revered and feared by the people. They loved the power that they had. But as Jesus pointed out here, they were thieves and they were robbers. All they wanted to do was steal. They wanted to rob. They wanted to basically take the resources from others and leave them with nothing. Now, you might say, well, okay, all right. Well, that was in first century. The thing is, this is not just a first century warning, what Jesus is saying here. This is something that is applicable to all Christians in all time periods. Here's the point. Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. We know he is the one that we should be going to. Anything else, anyone else, any, any other type of thing is a thief and a robber that is basically not there for your good. I've never welcomed a thief into my home. I've never said, hey, you know, we'll be asleep by 11. Come on in, you know, I've never done that. Why? Because they come to rob and destroy. When they break into my car, you know, I'm not ever happy about it. I don't ever end up with more things in the car, except maybe garbage that happened one time. You know, it's like, thank you for leaving your garbage for me. But uh, uh, we, we, don't, we, don't, we don't gain anything from it. There are, are still thieves and robbers who don't go through the right passage. They try to climb over the, the wall and try to get in and cause problems. Other places in scripture talk about the idea that there are uh, wolves that walk around disguised as sheep, which is a great mental picture, right? <laughs> Whenever you see that. Um, and, and I would say for us as a church, I mean, this is always something we have to just be aware of. This doesn't mean that we're suspicious of everybody who comes to visit the church, you know, or someone who comes, we're like, huh, 
I wonder if they're a wolf in sheep's clothing. That's not the idea here, okay? But it is the idea of us being aware of things, right? Just being aware of what people say, being aware of our influences. The thing is today, like, you know, when I was a kid growing up, if there was a wolf in sheep's clothing, it happened in a couple of places. On the radio, right? On TV, uh, or they came to the church. Uh, and, and thankfully I had a pastor who protected our church family and looked out for us. Uh, but unless I caught the TV schedule, <laughs> you know, uh, I missed out on it. Unless I caught the radio show, which as a kid, I didn't do that too much, but caught it, I missed out on it. But today with the internet, I mean, we have access to so much. And the, the, the sad thing is, by the way, it's a good thing. I love the internet. I love that we can get the gospel out there. I love that we're live streaming right now and there's people watching right now. I love that. Um, but what I don't love about it is that anybody can say anything they want about anybody or anything. That's the, obviously the huge downside of it. Um, and so with that, we must be aware that there are people who are out there who would love to um, rob you of things. I'm not just talking about your, your finances, but there are people who would love for you to believe their false teaching. There are people out there that would love for you to believe um, their, their, their specific thing. And so we must be aware of what we follow or who we follow and be aware of those things. Uh, that's one of the reasons God gave the church uh, pastors. Acts chapter 20, verse 28 says, take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock. He's speaking to leaders uh, over the which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. See, there's some real selfish, fleshly motivated people out there that under the guise of spirituality uh, will try to draw you away and try, and, and, and I'm not just talking about here, like draw you away from City Baptist or from me. That's not, that's not what this is about at all. What I'm talking about is they'll try to draw you away from Christ. Okay, the one, the door. They'll try to draw you away from him. And the, the real sad reality is, is that sometimes the greatest danger to your spiritual health will come from somebody claiming to be a Christian. That's a sad reality that we must be aware of, church family. They will distract you with their right teaching. Man, I've seen YouTube videos. Your pastor will never teach you this, you know? It's like, ooh, clickbait, right? I'm, I'm always, I'm all in on those. I wanna know what I won't teach people, you know, and learn. And, and uh, I, I'm all in, they got me. Um, you know, but they'll distract you with their, uh, their sometimes uh, their maturity maybe, or, or a certain philosophy about something uh, maybe some sort of psychological idea. You know, and I gotta tell you, sometimes there's people that simply take worldly philosophy and slap like a Christian badge on it, you know, or some verse on it and then, and then present it or sell it. And there's a lot of people buying it. And, but we must be aware of it. We must be uh, uh, careful of those that claim to have a new concept or a new understanding of a passage. Remember, that was the thing with the people in Athens. Remember, they just spent much time arguing with each other, trying to find some new thing. And, uh, and so we must be aware of those that present themselves in this, in this way. They may even claim to have a unique door into God's presence, uh, like you've never experienced God before in this way, if you will just pay. Or when, you know, when, I don't know. That just rhymed. To say, you, know, you know what I mean? If you just click or watch this or, or, or be a part of my ministry. And the, the thing is, so many people have been deceived. But here's what I want you to notice about this passage. Jesus said in verse eight, he said there that, before me that came before me. But notice how he says that the sheep did not hear them. Did you see that? Though many are deceived, true sheep of Jesus. Obviously we're the sheep, just make that clear, okay? <laughs> we're the sheep. Those that are the followers of Christ, the true ones, though they may be distracted for a time, may, though they may uh, be taken for a time, the true ones 
will recognize that this is not the authentic voice of the shepherd at some point. If they're listening for the Lord to work. Now, this is the beauty and the joy of the Holy Spirit. This is, the, this is what's so great about the Holy Spirit is that the God gave us the Holy Spirit to indwell us. When we're saved, we get the Holy Spirit. And by the way, you get all the Holy Spirit you're ever gonna get the day of salvation. And you've got them, okay? Now you can squish them out as the Bible talks about. You can pour water on them. You can uh, diminish his presence in your life through sin and by just not focusing on him. But the great thing about the Holy Spirit is that when we hear a, a message preached, when we read the word of God for our own, and by the way, that's where discipleship needs to happen at home. You cannot be fed and you cannot thrive spiritually just coming to church once a week or even twice a week. It has to happen with you, with your family, in your own heart and individually. That's, that's how you grow, okay? That's how you'd be like the Bereans, right? Who took what Paul said and went and they searched the scriptures to see what he said was true. And that's what we need to be. We need to be Bible believers, people who know the word of God. But the great thing about the Holy Spirit is that if you're walking with him and you're seeking truth, God is gonna reveal things to you from his word through his spirit that will help, to, help you to know the truth of what you're listening to. Does that make sense? Help you to know the truth of, okay, this person I've been following online, this person, you know, their Instagram account or their online, whatever, I've been following them and you, and you find your heart really going towards, I, by the way, I'm not against these things, okay? There's people I follow that are encouraging to me and help me definitely, but I wanna make sure that it's coming from the right place. I wanna make sure it's coming from the right place. Um, man, I had a really unique experience recently of uh, somebody a few years ago um, came to church for maybe like six months or so. And, uh, but from day one, they told me that I was not going to be their pastor because they had this guy on YouTube who was their pastor. Never met him in person. He was like in the state somewhere. Like day one, like, hey, you know, I love the church, but I just want you to know I have this pastor. You know, I said, okay, well, I can't compete, obviously. I cannot compete with YouTubers, right? Uh, and, uh, and so sure enough, it came to a head though, where it came to like a doctrinal thing. And, uh, and they, they end up leaving the church and, uh, and it was sad. I, I mean, I had conversations and, I, and I, I said, this is what the Bible says. Didn't matter. This is what this guy said, right? And so they end up leaving the church and, and uh, it was a bummer. Uh, but probably a month ago, my wife got an email uh, from this person and, um, and uh, the email basically said, um, I, I, I have, uh, got, basically they said, God revealed to me the truth about that. And, uh, and they basically apologized about that position that they had, this doctrinal position, which wasn't correct. And, uh, and they, found a, they found a church and they're thriving and growing in their walk with God. And they reached out to us. And I was just like, that is awesome. Because obviously my argument didn't work, you know, or my discussions didn't work. Uh, it wasn't an argument, just, you know, like my discussion with them or showing them didn't work. It took the Holy Spirit. And eventually, and I knew this person loved the Lord and wanted to walk with God and search the scriptures. I knew this. And it took some time, but eventually they came around to, to that. And this is why we must stay in the word ourselves. This is why we must stay right with God because it will reveal to us not only our own error in our own lives, but it, it will reveal false teachers and false doctrine and things uh, that could steal us away. Jesus is the only door to truth, okay? So number one, Jesus is the door. The door is Jesus. But number two, we see that the door is security. The door is security. Look at verse number nine. He said, I am the door. Again, in case they didn't get it, I am the door, he says. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. And here's the key phrase, and shall go in and out and find pasture. Now, I love this because Jesus is the door to salvation. Yes. If any man come to Christ, of course, we know he can enter in. They can become, come into the family of God uh, without restriction. 
and anyone who comes to Christ can and will be saved, okay? So just don't misunderstand and think that the sheepfold represents heaven or something. That's not what it represents, okay? Because of what we see right here. The person who comes in can go in and out. That does not mean that you can have salvation and lose salvation, okay? The Bible is very clear on the security of the believer. We recognize that as well. That's why we compare scripture uh, with scripture. But what it does teach us is that with Jesus, he opens the door to salvation, of course, but once we are part of his flock, we have freedom. Notice that, in and out. There's the idea of, of freedom here. Now, this is a common Jewish phrase. Again, to us, we, we read, okay, in and out. If you've ever been to California, you think of a really good burger, uh, in and out burger, uh, which, which is great. Um, but to the Jews, the, the phrase in and out um, meant that they could go in and out. Like if somebody says, oh yeah, I could go in and out. That meant they could do something or do whatever they wanted to do with complete safety without worrying about uh, danger at all. It meant that they were safe and secure. And so when we see here, he says, those that are part of my flock can go in and out. It's the idea of the security of a relationship that Jesus Christ brings. Uh, It's safety, it's peace, it's tranquility. Remember, it is religion that restricts, right? Religion restricts. The the Pharisees kept these people in bondage to their uh, self-imposed attempts to earn favor. But as a child of God who are saved and, and bought with the blood of Christ, we have true and real freedom in our salvation because we are under the watchful care. That's the idea. The idea you're in the flock, you're cared for. And when you go out with the shepherd and he leads you out, you're under his care as well. We're protected by him. He is the one who leads us to those green pastures as we read about in Psalm 23. Psalm 107, 9 says, for he's satisfying the longing soul and filleth the hungry soul with his goodness. Psalm 23, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Uh, John chapter 16, verse 33 says, these things have I spoken unto you that ye might have peace in the world. You have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. When we are a part of the flock, when we are part of the family of God through Jesus Christ, the door, that opens up a whole new level of freedom to us. Truly, being a Christian is real freedom. Uh, recently, I was witnessing to somebody in the neighborhood and had an opportunity to share the gospel with them. I was so thankful for this. And we, we sat down and I, I gave the whole gospel to him. And at the end, I asked him, I said, would you like to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? By the way, that's a good thing to do. I know sometimes we like to say, well, I witnessed by my lifestyle, you know, and, and I maybe don't say it like that. I don't know, but you know, I, my lifestyle evangelism, that's great. Um, but part of being a Christian is calling someone to a decision. And so it, the moment was right. I don't do this all the time, by the way. I don't just walk down the street, but we were talking, we had a good hour, almost two hours together. And I just said, hey, would you like to accept Christ? You've heard it. And, and I believe he understood it. Um, but he hesitated. He hesitated. He said, ah, you know, I don't know. And I don't know. I said, well, what, what is it that would keep you from accepting Christ? And this is what he said. He said, I know it would affect my relationships. He said, if I became a Christian, he said, and he literally said this word, I fear what would happen if I fo- became a follower of Christ. Because they, he recognized that becoming a follower of Christ was not a popular thing, was not part of the, the crowd. He even said, I, I don't even know if there's some things I couldn't support anymore that I've been a part of my whole life. At that point, we talked about how in Christ, um, we actually have more freedom. People, again, this is the, the twisted aspect of religion. Religion restricts us, but Christ gives us freedom. I always use the illustration of like the rules of the road, right? Can you imagine if there was no rules for driving? Zero rules. I mean, you could literally do whatever you wanted. It didn't matter if you drove on the sidewalk, through people's yards. It didn't matter. You could do whatever you wanted. Can you imagine how chaotic that would be? I'll tell you something. I would not go anywhere. 
<laughs> I wouldn't even want to walk anywhere because you never know when a car is going to come through your, your laneway. But what do we have? We have rules of the road, right? And we have lights and we have stop signs and we have all these rules. And guess what that gives to us? Freedom, doesn't it? I can get in my car and I can drive somewhere in relative safely. Uh, I can go wherever I need to go and I, I don't have to worry about it because there's rules and other people are following those rules. That gives me confidence to go out. It's the same way with Christ. We, we look at uh, being a Christian and following the word of God as like somehow it's some restrictive thing. No, no, it frees us to live life uh, completely to its fullest and to the abundant life. And in fact, that's what Jesus says next. Look at verse number 10 as we see point number three. The door is abundant life. Look at this. Verse 10, the thief cometh not but to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I love this. I love how Jesus just so naturally flows through it. He says, man, I'm, I am life, I'm, I'm, I am salvation, I'm security for you. You have true freedom in me. And he says, and true freedom in me is gonna result in the abundant Christian life. He's saying here that uh, when you're secure in those things, within the protective truth and protective aspect of the word of God, there is life and it is abundant life. I love that. That means life to the fullest, ex truly experiencing life. However, the thief, has evil intentions. You see that at the very beginning. He, he keeps reminding us about that, doesn't he? Uh, he? He talks about the one who comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. This is the individual who uh, wants to just take all that they can and then they kill whatever they can't have. Anything else is destroyed. Now, Israel understood this too well. Israel had been, had suffered through so many evil leaders, so many false prophets, so many uh, fake messiahs, but Jesus is different. He does not come to kill and steal and to take for himself. He came to give and he came to give us life and obviously salvation, but life worth living, life, abundant life without regrets, life full of his power and life full of, uh, of his blessings. Now I gotta tell you though, our world is also trying to do the same thing, okay? Our world tells you that I can give you abundant life. You know what I mean by the world, by the philosophies of this world. So there's two competing things here. Satan comes along and says, yeah, I'm gonna give you everything you want and you're just gonna be totally happy with it. You're gonna love life if you follow uh, uh, my, the way that I, that I want you to, to go. And of course, we know that involves things like immorality, uh, um, uh, dulling our senses with alcohol or with drug usage or whatever. It's, it's getting other people to do what we want them to do, leveraging relationships, bulldozing relationships in order to get ahead. You know, our world says the way to experience life is to go viral, right? You ever met somebody who's like, they are intent. I'm going to have a viral video before I die, right? <laughs> Even if it's my death, I'm going to have a viral video. You know, I want to be rich. I want to be famous. I want to live with no worries. I want to live with no responsibilities. Um, but I got to ask you, if that's the end goal, if, if, if our world and if Satan promises you this and, oh yeah, you're going to love, you're going to love life and it's going to be great. Why is our world the way it is today? Why does it seem like we can never get through some basic things <laughs> in life with humanity? Why is there so much hatred? Why is there uh, such terrible things that are going on in our world today if that is the end result of living for the world, the abundant life that the world offers us? The reason is because living for that kind of life, living your life for sin, living your life for what Satan promises is freedom away from God, away from all that is not actually freedom. It's bondage. It's bondage. Immorality demands more immorality, doesn't it? Porn demands more porn. Drugs and alcohol demand more drugs and alcohol. There's never a point where you're like, ah, it's all good. 
I kind of reached that right dosage. And, you know, I know if I drink this much of this, then I've, no, 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 no. It demands more. It demands more. It continues on. Guess what money demands more of? Have you ever met somebody who's like, I finally made enough money? <laughs> no, that's, that's what they say, right? I thought that, man, if I just have that, you know, whatever amount, you know, if I have that thing, if I, no, no, there's always something else. My wife will tell you that. There's always something else. If I have this barbecue, uh, now I need this, okay? Whatever it may be, there's always something else that continues to, and it just demands more and more and more of us. Guess what? That's bondage. That's bondage, church. And that's what our world offers us. They say, oh no, this is the abundant life, free from God. That's what they say. You're free from the Bible. You're free from following after Christ. But in reality, all you're doing is just giving into more masters is all you're doing. You're enslaving yourself. Jesus wants us to understand that if your life is about anything other than Christ and in him alone, those other things are gonna steal your joy. They will rob you of the delight that God wants you to have in Jesus Christ. And if you pursue anything at all uh, as ultimate in your life other than Jesus Christ, it will fail. But here's the great thing. In Jesus Christ, regardless of your circumstances, you can discover unshakable joy. You can discover abundant life, not just in the abundance of possessions or an abundance of laughs. You know, we all want a bunch of laughs, right? <laughs> but life overflowing with true joy, joy that, that is sustained even in the darkest and the most difficult of life in this broken world that we live in. That comes from Jesus Christ. And he promises us that the closer we walk with him, the more intimately we follow him, the greater our joy will be and the fuller our lives will be. Jesus did not call us out of emptiness to live in mediocrity. He did not call us and free us from the bondage of sin to just have a boring life. I just want you to know that. Uh, he, he called us to feast at his table, uh, to rejoice in his presence. Oh man, something happened this morning that was so weird, but also so perfectly illustrated today. I want to share this with you. So I got home this morning. I was in the office and finishing up stuff and I came home. And uh, listen, I have an amazing wife. Okay, amazing wife. Hey, that's right. Amen, brother. That was a good amen right there. Yeah, that's a good rumble of amens. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, you guys know her. You know how amazing she is to put up with me and all that. Well, every Sunday morning, every Sunday morning, this is so great. Every Sunday morning, I come home and I always have a, I always, she always knows what time I come home. And when I get there, um, there's always, she makes me two fried eggs. How awesome is that, right? My cholesterol is, yeah, anyway. But you know, my Friday, I love it. And, and we'll sit there together and we'll eat a, a couple eggs. And then I'll head back out again to church and, and all that. Well, this morning I came home and I smelled baking. So I was like, oh, she's been baking, you know. And, uh, and uh, she still had her hair up in one of, those, uh, one of those towel things, you know, to like dry it out. And, and the boys, you know, the boys are running around and they're getting ready for stuff. And and, uh, and so I was upstairs and I was like, man, she's super busy. I'm going to help her out and I'm going to cook my breakfast this morning for myself, right? You're like, oh, what a chauvinist. No, I, she loves me. She's really kind. She didn't have to do it, but she doesn't. I appreciate it. So I'm like, I'm going to cook it. So I, I, there's a pan there. I cook, get the stove hot and everything. And I'm, I'm, I'm cracking a couple eggs in there and they're going. And you know how it is, right? I love, anyway, I like fried eggs. If you hate eggs, I'm sorry. Um, but I'm frying some eggs and Jeanette comes into the kitchen with her towel thing, you know, and she's like, what are you doing? I was like, well, I'm trying to help out. I want to, she's like, didn't you look at the table? And I just, all I had to do, of course, was turn my head, right? <laughs> and there on the table was a plate with two eggs, toast, jam, a glass of water. I mean, it was all there for me. And here I am standing at the stove cooking a couple eggs, which I'm terrible at it, by the way. If you can ruin eggs, I can ruin eggs, okay? Here's, here's the thing. I was trying to make my own happiness that morning. You get it? This morning, I was trying to feed myself. I was trying to satisfy myself with something and it was already on the table. It's already on the table. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? 
Man, our world, that's all we do. We're out there and we're trying to do all of this stuff to make ourselves happy. We're trying to satisfy ourselves. We're trying to follow the world. We're trying to follow what Satan says. We're saying, I don't need that freedom. And Jesus is like, it's, it's, it's all here for you. It's already on the table. It's, it's the, the complete and total satisfaction. So church, I wanna encourage you today. Would you stop wandering away from the shepherd? Stop trying to get your own pasture. Stop trying to find your own water. Just, just stop it. It's, it's, not, it's not fulfillment. It's not happiness that can only be found in Jesus Christ. If you continue to pursue your own things, you're gonna find that the grass withereth and the flower fades. The water's bitter. See, Jesus is the living door. Jesus is the living door. And it is through him that we rest in safety in the fold and we rejoice in the satisfaction and the security of his provision. You know, those false, uh, those false shepherds of Israelite, uh, in Israel there, they cast their sheep aside. They didn't truly care for them. They endangered their lives just like Satan and the world is gonna do to you. He does not care about you. Those he cannot destroy, he'll just kill. He'll just end all it. And, and he just wants to destroy your life. But Jesus, he gathers the sheep, doesn't he? He gathers the sheep to himself. He guards them from all danger. The emphasis here in John 10, uh, verse one through 10 is about Jesus, the door. Now what happens as we go into verse 11 is that Jesus reveals himself as the good shepherd the good shepherd. And we're gonna cover that next week. And I'm excited about sharing that with you as we continue our study. But for today, the lesson I think is pretty clear. Jesus is the door. He is the door. If you're here today and you've never entered through the door of eternal life, if you've gone through other doors, maybe of your own good works, you've gone through the doors of your, your family heritage or where you were raised or, or, or what you were born into or the fact you went to church as a kid or whatever, Listen, if your salvation, your eternal life is based on anything else but Jesus Christ, it's not real. You've been deceived. It's, 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 it's been stolen from you. And I would encourage you to trust Jesus Christ for your salvation today. For us as Christians, you know, I think it, it's probably a little bit more relatable where the aspect of we, we aren't truly secure in our relationship with Christ. We, we would say that, oh, I'm secure in my relationship. And we maybe believe that our salvation is secure, but as far as living it out, like, okay, this is, I am complete in him. I have abundant life in him. We often struggle and we struggle with the idea of, I think I can maybe find some happiness in the world over here. And then I can find a little bit of happiness in Jesus. You know, Jesus will fill in the gaps that the world doesn't fill in. And I got to tell you, it's always emptiness. It leads to emptiness every time, every time. And maybe that's how some of you have been living. I, for me, for part of my life, for, for seasons of my life, that's how it is. I think you know, if I just have this other thing or if I do this certain thing or if I get this recognized, you know, if somebody recognizes me, I get a certain amount of likes on my posts or, you know, whatever thing that if you really step back, it's like, okay, you know, unless you're building your business on Instagram, you know, don't live your life on Instagram. Uh, if you're living your life for the applause of other people, you're always gonna, it's never gonna be enough. Never gonna be enough. And I've often lived my life in that way. And I wanna call you today and ask you and to make a decision, say, I'm not gonna live like that any longer. I'm gonna pursue Christ and Christ alone. Maybe it is that you've fallen aside a little bit, maybe, in your pursuit. Maybe you're, you have a lot of other voices that you're listening to rather than the Word of God. Uh, maybe you're, you're trusting other people to be your spiritual, uh, to do the work, to do the work of, of knowing the Word of God rather than you yourself studying the Word and getting into it. You know, we taught that whole series on how to study the Bible because it's so important for us to know and to pursue God personally through, our, our, through the word and through prayer. 
That's how you can truly find that satisfaction, that abundant life in, in knowing God, in serving God. Man, I'm so excited we're gonna get back to some normalcy here pretty soon, I'm hoping. And we can start serving the Lord again together as a church, you know? And man, I miss that so much, serving our community and reaching out to people. I just, I miss that so much. And we're gonna have those opportunities once again. Um, but it's not gonna be genuine unless it's from your heart as well. And so let's not live our life for the applause of the world. Let's live our life for the applause of Jesus Christ and for Him and for Him alone. It may be that you need to make some decisions in your life. Maybe there's some things that you need to put aside uh, maybe there's some things uh, of your life that you've been pursuing, thinking it's gonna fulfill you, it's gonna fix you, it's gonna change you or whatever it is that you're trying to do. And it's just emptiness, just emptiness. Would you pursue Christ today? Would you make him the source of your strength? Well, we do wanna thank you so much for tuning into the message today. And if it's been a help and encouragement to you in any way, uh, we would ask that you share the podcast. You can easily do that on either social media or maybe just uh, text the link to a friend. But like I said, it's our mission to help others find and follow Jesus here in Vancouver, uh, all across Canada and even around the world. And so you sharing the message today can really contribute towards that. Also, we would love for you to make a connection with us if you haven't already. And so the two best ways to do that is either by liking our Facebook page, that's City Baptist Church, or following our Instagram account, Advanced City Baptist. And of course, you can check out our website at citybaptist.ca. We do have all of our past sermon series on there available for you to stream, uh, past services, uh, worship, and just lots of other content and resources there to encourage you and strengthen you in your walk with God. But once again, thank you so much for tuning in today. We are looking forward to next week's message from our new series, I Am. We love you, we're praying for you, and we're here for you.